Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the technology editor for the Irish and Sunday Independent. This is going to be your first time hearing this because it's a brand new show brought to you by independent.ie and we plan to make it weekly, so please do hit subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud or whatever podcast network you use. And of course, you can always listen at independent.ie forward slash podcasts. Now, we have a terrific show lined up for you today with the great Mark Little, I'm delighted to say, joining us in studio. And we're also going to look at the tech gadgets to avoid this Christmas. Mark Little, how are you? Good morning, good afternoon. I sound like Joe I think it's now. the afternoon now. Good afternoon, Joe. After 12 o'clock, yeah. This is our technology lifeline, is it? And you have to let me do your intro because uh, it's quite an interesting intro. For anyone listening to this, you probably know who Mark Little is. If you don't know who he is, he was one of the star uh, RTE presenters. He was the anchorman, as he as he has said himself. In 2009, he was with RTE, with Primetime. In 2009, he left a very glamorous RTE job, uh, could probably get a seat in any restaurant in the town, for life as an entrepreneur. He started a, a company called Storyful, which sourced and verified first-hand reports and witness accounts from media companies around the world. Stop me if I'm if I'm inaccurate in any of this. No, I'm just Mark. exhausted now listening to it all. Uh, he then went on to sell that company for 18 million euro, I believe the sum was, to Rupert Murdoch's News Corp in 2013. And then took a little bit of a break and then joined Twitter in Ireland, its growing operation here, as a vice president for media partnerships in Europe before then taking over the whole thing, the whole, the whole Twitter Ireland setup. And now he, you, sorry, don't want to talk me in the third person, you want to save the news and media from itself with a new startup, uh, with uh, your co-founder, Anya Kerr, an excellent journalist who, who, who we know well here, um, called Neva Labs. And is that accurate? That is accurate, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's sort of nicely compressed. Nicely compressed. And what, how are you going to save the media? So I have this feeling, belief, myself and Anya, that the future is going to belong to people who build technology that builds trust and that we're coming out the back of a really revolutionary time in media with the rise of social media, the kind of disempowerment of traditional media. And now we're in this stage where media is based on mass consumption, right? So they want you to get as many eyeballs for your videos, your articles, your podcasts, and advertising drives it. And something went wrong. And that we're going through this, I think, in a historic correction. Think about it almost like another revolution where we're going to see the rise 
um, the change and the shift from media based on mass consumption to media based on personal individual empowerment. What can you do for me? Can you give me tools as a journalist, as a media company, that will give me the ability to get knowledge that makes my life better, more productive? And that's going to be the core in rebuilding trust that's been destroyed. So that's the kind of broad philosophical belief that me and Anya have, mm. that after spending time, both of us, she was a teacher when she started out as a journalist, we've both gone through the startup life, we've both gone through the big publisher, and now we've gone through the Facebook, in Anya's case, Twitter, my case, and we've just come to that point now, watching what's happened over the past year, but last 10 years, and saying the future is kind of moving from an information economy where there's lots of it, to a knowledge economy where there is tailored for a productive use by individuals. So that's the core belief behind what we're doing. So that's the big existential frame. And where are you at right now with that? How far down the line are you? Just ran from, not ran, but came down from Dawson Street here in Dublin, uh, where myself, Anya, a great designer called Adish Boyle, Marco Magnolia, former Storyfuller, and uh, Paul Watson, who is the former Paul, CTO yeah. of Storyful. We're a team of five. And we're at that great moment, we're on the MVP path. And if you're not a techie, that is essentially uh, the minimal viable product. And it's a great philosophy in product development, the techies will all know this, where you start out with a really basic assumption and you test it and you challenge it and you fail and you change and iterate. And it's kind of a six month period we're going through. So we're kind of halfway through that. We've tested some assumptions. We're about to go and test it with real people. Um, and it's in that great whiteboard f board phase where the company is not big enough that we can do anything that's going to kill it. Um, but it's just big enough that we have smart people asking smart questions. So it's kind of honeymoon period yeah. where the, the whiteboard is full of squiggles. Mm. Um, and we haven't yet had to really, you know, get the kick in the head that, that you come to expect with a startup. So it's, it's just that beautiful moment of every morning going in the door and having great existential conversations about, uh, you know, little bits and pieces we're doing. And has that MVP moved at all? Because you talk to a lot of startups and they'll say, well, we had this idea and then we developed, we thought that our minimum viable product was going to be this. We figured out pretty soon that it was something entirely different. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we, I think one of the things about a startup that I learned and many things I'm bringing into this second startup that I learned really, really the hard way in the first one is that strategy is as much about deciding what not to do as it is about what to do. Uh, it's not about the feature you develop, it's about the problem you're solving. In, sto in this case, I think what we're doing with Neva Labs is we started out saying, right, everybody at the moment is kind of a passive consumer. A lot of the filtering for news is done by machines. Uh, it's done by Facebook. You don't really ever get asked whether or not this is a good thing. So we have this idea, give the consumer of news total control over the process. Do you think they can handle that, though? And that's that's the really interesting part of it. So we're now testing and feeling, well, maybe, you know, control is nothing if it doesn't reduce produce a good outcome. So control for its own sake is absolutely pointless. And what we're doing now is we're starting to see what little small thing we can give you an ability to do that will make your news feed or whatever outcome you get more productive. And so we've realized now that control for control's sake is not enough. We have to show people that there's a better outcome if they take more conscious control over their news consumption. And if we can build tools that will help them produce a better outcome. And that's the biggest thing I think that we found is that it's not enough to tell people, hey, you can be more productive. Uh, if you take control of your newsfeed, 
no, it's it's something we've got to test those assumptions, and we're doing that at the moment. So things are changing slightly, but pretty much the same kind of core beliefs. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a big ask because when I log on to Facebook or Twitter or uh, or anything else during the day, it is those algorithms. You're right that dominate what I see, but I keep going back to Facebook and Twitter, and I will uh, I will stick with those services. Um, you're kind of up against a really, really goliath of a problem there. You're, you're going really up against Facebook's algorithms, really. The thing is, we wish we sat down and said to ourselves, are we competing against Facebook and Twitter? And the answer is absolutely not. No. I think the point for us is that you can still sit there and enjoy that. Um, you can still have Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever social platform you're on. But don't ever assume that they're giving you news that's based on quality that's based on anything else. Well, they, well, they don't care. I mean, exactly. isn't that Facebook's whole uh, thing? It was a really uh, interesting uh, analyst called Ben Thompson. I'm not sure yeah. if you, yeah, Stratechery. He has the best, that's the best uh, newsletter. I think of Really good, he does a really good podcast as well. And his central thesis is that Facebook is agnostic, it's neutral. It doesn't care about the quality of the news. And in many ways that that is the problem because it doesn't take you know, a, a civic interest or duty in the quality of the news, or and it doesn't care about filter bubbles. It just wants to keep you there. And in many ways, it's the most brutally democratic system we have because the news you are seeing is almost certainly the type of news that will keep you on the site longer. Exactly. And it's all in your what you are doing in the past. It's all on your instincts and the crowd and your, your friends and your family. And it's absolutely useless for news. Mm. And I think for a lot of people, there will still be people who will never leave and, and will always allow that news to wash over them mm. without really caring. But what we're seeing, and not just in attitudes, but in behaviors, is a growing group of people that are doing things to take back control, even if they're not quite aware that's what they're doing blocking ads, for example, mm -hmm. or even tracking ads that are coming in over their shoulder as they're looking at a website or they're going into Facebook. People who are using uh, their privacy settings to protect their privacy. Younger people who came on the internet never caring about privacy, now actually doing things like you know changing their cookie policies mm -hmm. or making sure that they can track who's tracking them. It's a real irony, isn't it? That sometimes we beat up on kids and young young people, quote unquote, for living their lives on the web and not caring about privacy. And yet these are the guys who, their default messaging system is Snapchat, which is set up exactly to avoid the behavior that we, their parents, and I, I'm, I'm using that term uh, loosely, you know, the over 35s and the over 40s. Uh, we live our lives so publicly on Facebook. Yeah. But what's happening is changes, really interesting changes in actual behavior that no one's spotting, which for me mean the end of the social network as a source of news. So for example, Snapchat last week, two weeks ago, Evan Spiegel had come out and said, we, we don't want the friends and family to be sending you your news. You should be personalized to your own personal identity. Did That's you not a get a touch? Change. I mean, I, he, he made a valid point and we all covered it, of course, um, wall to wall. but. I did get the point, I did get a feeling that there was a little bit of competitive edge in totally. there. Totally. Oh you yeah, know? listen, the, the reason he's doing it is he knows that it gives him what they call the differentiator, which is what you always want to have in your company is how are you different? In our case, in the case of Neva Labs, how we're different to those social platforms is we're looking at those 18 to 35 year olds, particularly the 18 to 24 year olds. What we're seeing from them is, you know, they're at the moment paying for news in the United States, for example. 4% of under 24-year-olds paid for news two years ago. Really? It's now 18%. Wow. It's leapt. 
And some people say it's because of Trump and people, young people feel yeah. I want to make a statement. But actually, it's correlation between their consumption of music uh-huh. and video on Netflix and Spotify, where they understand they pay nine ninety nine for their music every month. They understand that once they leave their house, they have to take on the Netflix bill. Mm. And that's actually the underlying 18%. correlation. That is, I'm surprised. That's a that's a quite a big Which figure. is higher than the average for people who are over. Wow. So it's the young people who are starting to pay for quality news. Mm -hmm. Now, they're expecting that they won't pay for five or six subscriptions. They'll Mm -hmm. pay one single payment to get multiple sources. And that hasn't quite happened with news yet. Mm -hmm. But that's where things are going. I think we're seeing the end of the social network, i.e. as just this bland, you know, common denominator mass consumption model. And the rise, and this is why what Snapchat are saying is really interesting, is much more personalized to your identity. You pay for it. You understand you got to pay. Less dependent on advertising. And from multiple sources, bundled to fit your life every single day. That's the future of news. And I think it's actually the future as well of, you know, the original promise of the Internet was an open place for democracy where you connected with people you didn't know, but who gave you something in return, a sense of informedness, knowledge. And I think what would happen is we took a detour with Facebook and to an extent other platforms where we became all about the algorithm, all about keeping you hanging on, addicted. Um, it's actually in your brain. Mm-hmm. Dopamine is the, is the chemical that goes off in your brain when you're either addicted to cocaine or you're on a social platform yeah. looking for the next Wasn't hit. that the term? It was either Sean Parker or the other guy who came out, the ex-Facebook executive a couple of days ago who came out and had a real broadsided Facebook and and you've been around long enough to to have seen uh, a lot of these arguments over the last five or six years and a lot of these propositions particularly among journalists you'll often hear an idea well why can't we all get together and kind of organize a an aggregated or communal model for maybe five or six of us with with a joint paywall and it comes up about every 18 months and then every 18 months somebody says well how would the income be you know distributed um the big the big players it's usually in a US context so it's usually like the New York Times are, are are mentioned and they have their own strong policy and it never seems to really go anywhere there's a lot of reasons why you don't have a Spotify for news. I mean, first of all, you can listen to John Lennon 15 times in a row and you won't get bored with it. You can't see the same news article, especially breaking news. It doesn't have the same freshness. It's, it's a latency there, so there's not a comparison. Where the comparison is this, I think, is that I think people will still buy you know, high-priced subscriptions to things that are really personally relevant. And I think the price points, if you look at nine ninety nine for Spotify every month, it's pretty good when you think that that's probably lower yeah, than most a really good deal. newspaper yeah. subscriptions. So I think what's happened is there's this false choice between having a totally dependent on advertising, i.e. for free, technically, to you, the consumer, or getting behind some very hard paywall where you just have to, you see nothing or you see everything. There's a middle ground now that's been tested out, and there's multiple different models that I think will, no, one of them will be the magic, uh, the silver bullet, but for example, you know, give away 10 free articles to get you to a point where you say, yeah, I see value in subscribing to that news organization. And then the paywall comes in after the 10 free articles or micro payments where you essentially pay a small amount for different articles you see every day. We haven't got to the point yet where there's an easy answer. But the thing that's changed is the behavior and demand of the market, of the consumer, which is now because of Netflix and Spotify, I I would argue, far more developed, but also an awareness that there's a price to free news. 
you have to spend, and I think anyone listening to this, whether they're techie or not, will understand, it's getting harder and harder to find stuff that's relevant to you every day. And it's not only for being harder, the price has gone up for free news because it's investment of your time mm. and you're getting less back. But more risk is attached now because you could be prone to misinformation. Mm. If you can't distinguish between the true and the false and you've got to be your own gatekeeper, it's becoming harder. So that's why I think there's a real historic correction for people to seek out people who reward them and reward their attention. And we think in Neva Labs, we think about three pillars of the new behavior. One is identity. Who are you? So at nine o'clock in the morning, you're racing to work. You're a commuter. You get to work. Now you've got professional intelligence you want to gather. About 11 o'clock, you get bored. You're thinking your holiday and you want to book a holiday or think about going off to the Mediterranean. By lunchtime, you're off to buy some food. So every day you're different people at certain points in the day. How do we serve you up the right feed of content to meet your needs? We also think about intention. Do you want to be diverse? Do you want to be challenged? Um, do you want to cut out people who talk you know, in outraged tones? Mm. Do you want to maybe have some misinformation filter? The next part is attention. How long do you have? Well, I got 23 minutes because that's my dark journey in the morning. Okay, here's a 23 minute podcast for you that will give you everything you need in the morning. That's the future, it's you're those three things. You're basically becoming a, you're, you're talking almost like a personal news concierge during, during the day. Exactly, and we were talking about Neva Labs developing what we think will be a personal yeah. assistant. Um, and I mean, the ultimate ambition for us is to be the biggest, the first big global media company that turns artificial intelligence into human empowerment. And it's that idea about taking intelligence systems and making it really easy for the user to actually shape their news experience every day to fit their life. But at the same time, keep them open enough mm. to be challenged and surprised. Um, that's where knowledge comes from, Just I think. Before I ask another question about the development of Neva Labs, what do you subscribe to? I mean, you probably subscribe to an awful lot for professional reasons and for research, but in your own you know, your everyman example you just used about going to the office at 11 o'clock and lunchtime and then further on, what, what, what floats your boat? So I, I, I ask this question of a lot of people and I ask them, how much do you pay every month in subscription for content? About eight out of 10 don't know. So I had to go into my phone to answer this question because I had to do it myself recently. And I had like three different subscriptions to Evernote, which is a bookmarking yeah. service. So I, I read a great article, I stick it in there because I'm definitely going to come back and look at it later, <laughs> me arse. <laughs> and I pay so much for that. And then every now and again, I decide it's not useful and I, go, I drift away and I come back and I pay for it again. Yeah. So I realized I was paying like $15 a month right. or, or euro. I pay for obviously Netflix, I pay for Spotify. I find Spotify creepily incredibly powerful. Uh, Discover Weekly. Oh, Discover um, Weekly, oh my God. I mean, that works. is, do you know, it's funny, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, when you get over a certain age, actually, I'm not sure it's an age thing, but for me, the, the way I relate to it is when I, get, when I get over the age of 30, it became much more difficult for me, literally, to discover new music because yeah. I wasn't hanging around in cafes with single mates, you know, and talking about who had launched what. And that, service that discovery uh, that discover weekly service and spotify 30 new songs um from artists you may not have heard of um has i mean i, I literally save one or two new ones a week well so for me the light bulb moment of storyful i suppose came out when i left journalism in the first place to go into storyful was when i looked at uh, uh itunes and i remember going looking for a clash song 
again to your point I was trying to find new music and because of the algorithm I was saying if you like that you like this and then suddenly before I knew it I was listening to Rock the Casbah in French in a Moroccan souk and I stopped I'm mind blown now recently I came across the science behind uh, Spotify which is called collaborative filtering what that means is you've got two different people Adrian and Mark they don't know each other but they're exactly the same in their musical tastes now Adrian likes this artist number one two and three and four Mark likes artists two, three, four, and five. So Mark's going to recommend five to Adrian, Adrian one to Mark. And that's how it works. The science is spotting affinity. And without you knowing it, it's finding people just like you, but cooler. <laughs> and I think that's what got me. I said, wow, can you imagine doing that kind of thing for news where you're actually getting the news from people just like you, but maybe a little bit smarter? I'm literally looking up my Spotify at the moment as we speak, just to... You should little... go to your uh, Tunes of the Year, which is this yeah, uh, annual thing that you're sent through. Yeah, now, actually. And, and uh, there's a survey they send you saying, do you know how many times you listen to this song? And yeah. then the guilty pleasure is the one that scares me. They sent me Tiffany, I think we're alone now. Yeah. Of course, I sat there and went, there's no way that's correct. And then I, I realized it was. I believe you, Mark. I believe you. It was totally correct. There's it was no my way. guilty pleasure. But every time I spend more with that and I log on to my, or I turn on my FM radio, I'm just amazed that all these radio stations can, can keep going with this kind yeah. of competition. But Well, I go on. I got my Alexa. I'm very, very, I got I, Alexa, Spotify. That's Alexa. really become almost, I'm actually out walking sometimes and I find myself saying Alexa, Spotify. Do you have your Alexa tuned to, you, I mean, are you faithful to having it set to Ireland or do you, do you, have you got it set to a UK or a No, US? I'm off the, I'm off America. So okay, we so have a works. battle to say yeah. RTE Radio 1. Alexa doesn't recognize the pronunciation of the R in or, or okay. I can't know what she, so occasionally she'll tune well, me you, into some like T. In RTE you had to, you had to say R, didn't you? You weren't RTE, allowed to say R. That's correct. Right. And Alexa doesn't get what the program. So I, I'll get like Ecuadorian public affairs channels <laughs> served up to me by Alexa. My point here and what I pay for is I pay for things that give me some superpower that make things the right thing easy for me, that make me feel like I'm actually smarter, cooler, better because of that. The only thing is when I'm on Twitter, I've, I've also been a power user, so I use a lot of lists. Mm -hmm. So if you know about Twitter, there's a filter which you can actually build all the accounts associated with the topic. Mm -hmm. That for me is a technology I wanted when I was in, in Twitter to help develop. And that, that actually, the thinking behind that is what is behind a lot of the thinking mm -hmm. about the filters that we're trying to build at Neva Labs, which is, I find a topic you're really interested in. So your Dublin, and this is sound a bit Ronnie Drewish, is different to my Dublin. You may get the Lewis, I may get the Dard. You support Shells, I may support Rovers. So our that topic could mean very different things to us. And if we can find ways to have Adrian's Dublin and Mark's Dublin, uh, very different, but we can learn from each other. And, and again, it's back to the Spotify thing. So really what I'm looking at here is, and if you think about a 19-year-old who's coming on line, so to speak, mm -hmm. or, and they're never going to accept any service that doesn't have the level of relevance and productivity that a Spotify or a Netflix, which is getting better and better at understanding your tribe, mm -hmm. um, they will expect the same of news. So we've got two choices. We either build a future in that model or we just wait and lie over and, and, and wait for someone else to come along. I mean, the point you're making is a really interesting one, and it's a counterintuitive one to the narrative that we often hear with tech and media, which is that narrative always suggests that it's actually young people who just want everything for free and who won't pay for anything, and it's older people who will pay for the media. You've actually given a few concrete examples now. That 18% is still in, sort of buzzing in my brain of younger people who will pay for 
uh, for media. One thing that I heard recently, I'm not sure if you heard this, uh, you, you know the off the ball, uh, not the off the ball, the second, second captains. captains guys. Yeah. So these are the guys who left News Talk, Ken Early and Owen McDevitt and those guys. And they're on Patreon now. They're on Patreon. Yeah. And I heard from a colleague the other day that they have 9,000 um, paying Patreon subscribers. I think it's only a fiver a month. I think that's the, the fee. We'll take that price point fiver. Everything comes back to a fiver. Yeah. All the market research we're seeing from a lot of the people I talked about earlier on who are in this playing in this area between advertising and paywall say a fiver is just about the threshold by which if you give me something for a fiver, it doesn't have to be high premium. It just has to give me some extra service. And so with Patreon is a good example. This is a crowdfunding platform. So an artist or even a journalist, the more journalists are using it, goes on and says, I've got a beat that's so specific that I may only have 50,000 people who care about what I say every day. But if I got a fiver from 50,000 people every month, I am a multi-million dollar business individually every year. Right. Now, think about that. If we start to judge the quality of journalism by the depth of connection to a small niche group of people who give us a fiver every month, that is powerful. And that principle of saying, forget mass consumption. If you have 10 million people reading your article for three seconds, which is counted as a view, by the way, on the platforms, that is financially meaningless. If you have 1,000 people paying 10 euro a month here, now suddenly, as an individual, certainly, you've got a job. Yeah, I, I mean, they, it's incredible. I, we mentioned Ben Thompson, and I read somewhere that he has something in the region of you know, 80 or 90,000 paying subscribers. I, I pay him $10 a month to get a, 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 an email three or four times a week and then to, to, to read his stuff online. 80 or 90,000 by $10, I mean, that's almost a million dollars a month, you know, Singapore, where, wherever he lives. Um, I'm going to come back just quickly uh, to uh, Neva Labs, just on the business of getting it out there. Can you, can you fund something like that from Ireland, or is it because of your ambition by necessity, do you really have to look to the States or the UK or some other market? I think one of the things you, you find is you go as far as you can on the limited resources you, you can have. And with the technology company, one of the great things is you don't have to hire uh, 20, 30 journalists. You know, it's, it's get a group of talented, visionary technologists, designers and journalists involved to try and keep it, you know, lean for, for the while. So, you know, I'm funding the, 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 the business at the moment. Uh, we have some very, I hope, visionary Irish uh, private investors that will, will, will get us into the place we need to prove what we need. But I'm not going to go to the big money um, until I know that I have something that I can say to them hand on heart, this is going to change the game. Because if you go to a venture capitalist, the clock is ticking the moment to take their money. They're looking for you to be shooting off big growth, and we've seen recently that you know businesses in the media that are backed by venture capitalists from the beginning tend to have overinflated expectations and never meet them. And what I want to make sure is that when I sit down with anyone who's going to put money in is that I have hand on heart proof that this has, if not proven potential, it certainly could be that game changer. And the benefit of that is that you can keep control. You don't give it away. And, and uh, you know the people who are on the journey with you they always have to believe. So you can take really stupid money, uh, a lot of it, very quickly. Um, so therefore, from that point of view, Dublin is good to be in. Dublin's also great for two other reasons. There's a bunch of startups now that are starting to have the same kind of broad philosophy from Intercom. Intercom right. is about better communications. 
uh, in businesses, which is tremendous. We use it in, in using it right now in our prototypes in, in Neva. Uh, we also have Alien, which is uh, analyzing text, bodies of text to see can we work out categories and, and people's real interests. You got Newswhip, which analyzes you know what's popular on social media oh, and Facebook. Yeah. So there's a kind of a speciality starting to develop in Dublin, which is making sense of big, big uh, communication systems. And that's sort of helping us, I think, because a lot of the people who you need, you know, skill sets from machine learning, data science, uh, user experience, Dublin has a lot of those people. Now, it's very competitive because the big social platforms are here and they hoover up all the very smart people. But a lot of people in those social platforms after two or three years go, you know what, I like Dublin. I want to stay here. Yeah. I'm thinking of moving on. I might take a punt with one of these startups. It's a point that Paddy Cosgrave has made a few times. He said that actually people give out about you know, Facebook and you know the Google and the, the big multinationals here for hoovering up all the talent. But actually, it's actually a really good training ground for, uh, for a lot of uh, um, native startups to actually get talented people uh, out of. It is, but also it tends as well to you realize that it's a lot of an ecosystem that emerges from these platforms. So right now in Dublin, every single cutting edge uh, social platform, tech platform is here. Uh, so all the, the most relevant innovations that are happening are happening here. And as a result, the spin-off of that is tremendous. Like yeah. if you're looking at, at, at like, for example, uh, Intercom again. Intercom are called Contrast. They were a development agency. They built Storyful's website. Right? So Storyful goes on to be, be its own success and then Intercom goes on to be even a bigger success. And, and that sort of interaction happening out of sight of, of probably, um, with certain exceptions like yourself, the media in general. And that's my fear, is that a lot of the politicians and the people who are creating the incentives are not seeing the kind of synergies that are coming downwind of the big social platforms. So whether Apple's paying its tax or not, is kind of less important than whether the Apple presence is producing a real energy in the startup ecosystem that's developing in its wake. And I, I think that's you probably know, I, was, I was down in Apple on Tuesday. I was down at Holly Hill in Cork. They kind of opened it up to a real small handful of journalists. They took us on a six-hour tour, and we got to meet a lot of their senior executives. You wouldn't believe, I'm not sure if you've been down there, you wouldn't believe the no. scale of the operation down there. They took us through a typical launch for an iPhone, like for example, the iPhone 10, and they l let us talk on background with some of the people, local Cork guys and Limerick guys, mm -hmm. mostly Cork guys, who from the time Tim gets, or Tim Cook gets off the stage, they are then in charge of thousands of planes, ships, vans, that, that you know, all over, uh, from from India right the way through uh, uh, to you know to, to to Dublin and to Cork and the scale and the logistics and the transportation expertise that's coming out of that place is absolutely right. incredible. Out of six thousand people down there, um, only three hundred are attached to finance. Right. You know. So oh, I mean, it's to, it's to your point. I mean, the, the skills coming out of these. Yeah. Uh, places are absolutely... But, but also think then about those solutions like Stripe. I don't know if you've been yeah. to their new oh, offices. Yeah. Uh, lovely office just up Grand Canal Street. Mm. I was in there recently. And I mean, there's two Irish guys building a solution. Mm. And then, you know, they did out of Silicon Valley clearly. But at the same time, what they've done is they've made Dublin a center of expertise to solve some of the biggest problems that will face the internet in general yep. going forward. Now, what I'd love to see encouraged is, right, after two or three years, most of these very high-performing people need a new challenge. Right. I want to make it easier for them to mm -hmm. say, do you know what? 
yeah, I'm going to join a Neva Labs or I'm going to join an Intercom or a Newswip or an Alien or all those new companies coming out and finding ways to make that the logical decision, whether they're Irish and live here or whether they're Spanish or French or Italian who came here because the international headquarters were here. That's the way we do this fabled leap into having an Irish Silicon Valley, not through um, solely through bringing the big companies here. That's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Well, you guys are hiring at the moment, I know, aren't we you? We are data, data scientists, scientist. machine learning person. We've got some really interesting candidates, but more importantly, kind of vision and ideas as well, which is right. what we need. We're not going to have, unfortunately, that much time to go into the uh, the other item we had planned today because it's been so interesting uh, talking to Mark. We were going to talk about the gadgets you shouldn't buy for Christmas. I had a big spiel ready on it. I'm just going to name three of them in, in from three to one. Don't buy a Fitbit Flex. Why? Because you're telling somebody they need it. Don't buy a <laughs> Russell Hobbs Impact Drop Proof Iron. I have that iron. It's really good, but just don't get it. And the number one thing not to get is the Dyson V8 Absolute Cordless. It is a fantastic cordless vacuum cleaner. But somebody known to this reporter not so long ago gave that uh, gave a Dyson to his then girlfriend mm -hmm. uh, uh, as a gift. And she wasn't his girlfriend a few weeks later. So just avoid uh, those presents. Um, well, the unconscious biases built into <laughs> the stuff. Um, very last, um, very last shout out. I want to uh, uh, a quick shout out to a really interesting initiative at the moment. There's a company called Qualtrics in Dublin, and it is working with an organization called Breakthrough, Breakthrough Cancer Research because one of its executives, partially because one of its executives, um, is is very involved in that area. It's called the Five for the Fight campaign, and the first hundred thousand euro raised will be matched by Qualtri Qualtrics. You can pledge a fiver by going to five for the fight dot everydayhero dot do. It's number five for the fight dot everydayhero dot do. So listen, Mark, thanks so much My uh, pleasure, for coming Rachel. into to the Big Tech Show. All the best to, to you and to Anya with uh, Neva Labs. You did it before with uh, Storyful. I'm sure you're going to do it again. Thanks very much for listening to the Big Tech Show. Remember to hit subscribe to iTunes or, or SoundCloud or whatever podcast network you use. Until the next time, bye-bye.